Hey everyone, my name is Michelle and welcome to Romcom Weekly. Today I'm joined by my friend Rosanna and we're talking about the film Heartbreakers. Hey Rosanna. Hi Michelle, thanks for having me. Of course, <laughs> I'm so happy to have you on the pod. Just a few things about this movie. It was released in 2001. It's directed by David Merkin, written by Robert Dunn, Paul Gway, and Stephen Mazur. It stars Sigourney Weaver, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Gene Hackman, Ray Liotta, and Jason Lee. The IMDb.com summary is, a mother and daughter con team seduce and scam wealthy men. It has a 6.2 on IMDb, and it made around $57 million worldwide. All right, so with that, Rosanna, let's start with you. What would you rate this movie on a scale from 1 to 10? Oh my gosh. Okay, well, first of all, I just think it's hilarious. I made you watch a psycho film, first of all, so I'm really (laughs) excited to know what you think about it. And honestly, I probably would have rated it greater the initial watch when, Mm -hmm. you know, once upon a time when I did see it because I just adored it. But on the rewatch, I definitely think that that number has gone down, but it still like holds up in my wildly like sentimental attachment to it. So I'd probably have to give it a seven. Okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if yours was like a two or something like that. <laughs> I ha- It's not a two. I'm giving this movie a 6.5. Okay. That sounds fair. So it's somewhat close to you. <laughs> Yeah, so why did you choose to discuss this movie? And you mentioned like your your previous relationship with it, but kind of, yeah, tell me more. Okay, well, I'm trying to remember when I saw this film the first time, and I think my best friend and I were watching it, I want to say 2007, because, well, first of all, we had no idea that it came out in theaters prior to then. (laughs) So we definitely saw it much later, like in the game. And I think I just remembered loving it so much. I think it was like late 07 in my memory that I immediately forced my siblings to watch it too, because (laughs) I loved it that much. And I just thought there's so many things I love about it. I mean, it's an absolutely absurd film on so many levels. And I think the thing I love the most about it is I'm a rom-com person too, but I really love things with a twist. And I feel like it's almost almost a parody on rom-coms and that's why I love it so much because I feel like the director and the producers are kind of getting a big kick out of making fun of it but it was also successful yeah that's interesting that you mentioned that so unlike you however I actually don't recall if I've ever seen this movie (laughs) so when we were talking about you know you potentially doing an episode on the pod and you chose this movie I was like huh, I remember that movie being a thing. Like Jennifer Love Hewitt, probably, I don't know. I don't know if this was at her height of her fame, but Sigourney Weaver is quite famous, as is Gene Hackman and Ray Liotta. So, you know, it has a quite stacked cast. And I'm not really sure why I never saw this, you know, in the early aughts. But it's on Netflix right now. So it's very accessible to people who want to dive into (laughs) this silly movie. But I have zero memory of seeing it. And I I mean, it's very fun. And I think that interesting point that you said that it has a twist, it's a parody. I think those are really, really good points because the ending, which is a category for later, but like, yeah, I was happily surprised and delighted by how this movie ended. I think that's something that I really enjoyed about the film too, because I feel like rom-coms are so predictable. I mean, maybe now because you've seen so many, but also like it's much later than the film was made. 
you probably could predict where it was going to go. But at the time that I saw it, I had no idea where anything was going to go. And it went in all kinds of like zany direction. But it's so funny to me because I honestly thought when I said, I want to do this film, that you were going to be like, pick something else. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And my best friend and I have watched this. I mean, I've only seen it a couple of times, but after that first viewing, it became cult status in our regular mm. conversation to the point where we're like perseverating like every line, like <laughs> when someone gets like a present they don't like or, you know, or you're unexpectedly getting something, we like repeat the lines from this film to the point where it's like a recycle <laughs> bin and like it probably needs to go, but it's just reached that level of like, we love it so much that it, I think it's taken on like a life of its own. <laughs> That's so funny. I have certain movies with certain girlfriends also where we will say something and it has like, you know, it's kind of absurd of a line on its own, but you kind of have that, I guess, inside joke of what the source of that material is. And it's usually like some silly, silly rom-com. But you know, there you go. I understand. I understand that you have (laughs) like like a relationship with this movie. Yeah. It is kind of interesting though. I don't feel like this movie is, uh, I guess it's not a classic rom-com to your point. It's a little bit unpredictable. It's a little bit zany. Are there any other things that you liked about this movie specifically? I think the biggest thing that I really liked about the film, well, so I just felt like it was trying to be like three different films, first of all. Mm. And I love how it's literally doing the most because I was just so like frenetic energy at the time. And I was also that person. So I think I related to it in that sense. But Mm. the biggest thing that I love the most about the film is just everyone playing against type. Mm-hmm. And I really like appreciate that. So Sigourney Weaver, I feel like, you know, she's obviously a dramatic a heroine and she's playing like a mama bear seductress. Yeah. And I love that description of her mama bear seductress. <laughs> and like J Love H usually at the time she was playing like wholesome characters, you know, with mm-hmm. a lot of like injections of innocence. And I feel like this is totally the opposite where she's literally kind of being a bit of a jerk. Mm-hmm. And most of all, Jason Lee, because he <laughs> always played like a foul mouth man child. Like right, that was right. literally like his typecasting. So, and he literally plays like the only sane person in this mm-hmm. film and the most regular guy. And also Gene Hackman in that role uh, I gets mean, me every oh my time. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so that and the cameos. Like Carrie Fisher just like drops into this film. You yeah, know what I, I mean? was like, wait, what? <laughs> and like Kevin Nealon. Yes. I think the harder question will be what I don't like. <laughs> sure. No, that's fair. I agree with everything you just said. Against type, yes. I didn't really have a relationship with Jennifer Love Hewitt. I wasn't a Party of Five watcher. You know, I think in her height of her fame, she was, I know what you did last summer. I didn't watch those movies because I, back then, did not like thriller movies and I still don't like thriller movies. <laughs> So I kind of missed the whole Jennifer Love Hewitt bandwagon. I know she's in Can't Hardly Wait, another classic rom-com, but yeah, I don't really know her, I guess, to your point of how she was always like the innocent one. But Jason Lee, I'm so happy you brought him up is because I think he's the one that I actually had the most, I don't know, relationship with because one of my favorite movies is actually Almost Famous. Oh, right. I forgot that he was. (laughs) Yeah. And Gene Hackman, I mean... I know he's legend, but I also only know him primarily from his comedic roles. And 
seeing him in this was really enjoyable, really fun for me. I'm basically aggressively agreeing with you that the cast was amazing. I have a list here of the supporting slash uh, cameos. So you have Anne Bancroft, Kevin Nealon, Carrie Fisher, Zach Galifianakis, Sarah Silverman, and Nora Dunn, who plays um, the maid. And then Sean Colvin, the singer, All right. <laughs> was the minister at the wedding. Like, what? This is like such a random bunch of people. Oh my gosh. I just got such a kick out of seeing them like early 2000s. Wow. What a moment in time. Oh my God. I literally can't stop laughing just thinking about it. So I feel like I'm going to like <laughs> ruin this recording, but I just like just thinking about the film, oddly enough, it's, yeah. it's literally my ultimate guilty pleasure. I mean, to agree with you on that, it's just really funny and entertaining. It wasn't a sentimental watch for me. Like I didn't once feel emotionally <laughs> uh, involved in this movie. Like it didn't really tug at any heartstrings, but it was very, very entertaining. The other thing I think I liked about this movie was, and I think you mentioned this, I'm not sure if this is like kind of in the same vein, how you mentioned this movie is trying to be so many things at once, but I think that I appreciated each character. I don't know, how do we want to call these characters? We want to call Paige, Jennifer Love Hewitt, and Max as Sigourney Weaver because they play different characters in this movie. Sure. <laughs> Max, she had her own storyline and so did Paige. Like They all had their different motivations to ultimately you know, do the things they did. And it wasn't as like superficial, I guess, from what I expected the movie to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I was like, oh, these characters actually have some depth to them. Yeah, I definitely think at the time when my friend and I had discovered it and we were just kind of like, oh, okay, well, this looks like fun. I mean, why don't we watch it? I didn't know mm. the premise or anything. So I right. was like, don't read about it before you watch it because then you might be like, pick something else. But <laughs> I literally expected at the time it would probably be like a shallow watch mm -hmm. and maybe a shallow script. And it, there wouldn't be like, I don't want to say like a modicum of depth even, but mm -hmm. I feel like there's so many like sharp one-liners that kind yes. of surprise you. And at the time, I'm not saying now, but there were like mm -hmm. such inventive cons. Mm. Like I was like, who would even think about this? You know what I mean? And now right. it's like, okay, I've heard probably it all. Mm -hmm. But at the time I was like, this is like so creative. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, it's absolutely absurd. But even the physical comedy, like I said, I think the script was just so much better than I expected it to be that I think it was just a surprising scoop of like a rom-com. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I just think that like, I don't really have nostalgia built up for this movie. So I think, you know, I'm kind of coming at it slightly differently than you are. But I yeah, you're saying all these things. and I'm like, I agree with you. Totally agree with you. Well, let's pivot then. If you have anything you don't like about this movie, what don't you like? I think the statue scene where after the purchase, they're carrying it. I just thought that that was super unrealistic, but also like a bit of a snooze fest because, mm. you know, she's trying to get them to obviously mar it so she doesn't have to pay for it with the money she doesn't have. Right, right. And so she's trying to like mesmerize the guy who's carrying it. And I feel like if you're working for like a Sotheby's or Christie's or whatever the big auction houses are, the workers would have more professionalism. Yeah. And I also don't feel like she would be allowed in that area where they're carting something, whether or not you purchase it, I feel like they'd be like, we'll get it to you, you know, so that scene probably <laughs> wasn't my favorite. Sure. And 
there's probably more, but I can't think of them at the moment. But that one was probably the most because even the other things were like the parrots dying. I mean, I feel so bad, but like, or Gene Hackman's just literally like crawling on the ground. Like I genuinely (laughs) thought those were so funny. (laughs) No, I agree with you. I don't think there's a whole lot to not like about this movie other than a lot of like, you have to put a lot of disbelief aside to your point. Yeah, like that seems quite unrealistic. So I think there's quite a few WTF moments. For sure. But I think there were some moments when I was like, whoa, this is kind of choppy. Like, I'm not really sure where we are in this story. Like, are we a week in? Are we a month in? Um, I think I heard someone say we've been at the hotel for a month now. So I was like, oh, I guess this has been happening for a month or something like that. I don't even know if that's entirely true, but things just happened really fast. And I kind of find myself questioning, like, where are we in terms of time? And I don't know if that's important to me. I'm realizing it might be. Oh, totally. (laughs) And I mentioned this earlier. It didn't really tug at my heartstrings. It's not like a movie that I feel sentiment towards, but that's not about the movie itself. It's just, you know, I didn't really have a relationship watching this movie. Yeah. And I'm sure it's going to be like a forgettable. (laughs) I don't think, I don't really see you like rewatching this particular film, just like in your downtime. So there's something to be said about rewatchability. And I do think that this movie is quite rewatchable. So just not for you. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I would like purposefully like put this on and have it on in the background if I was just wanting some mindless fun. But I could see myself doing it. I just don't know if it'd be like the first or like 10th movie I would choose. But, you know, all that said, I really thought this movie was really fun. There were moments where I snorted laughing. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Let's move on to general themes. Do you think you caught any or did any kind of speak to you? I feel like it's like riddled with themes. I feel like there's a whole femme fatale part Mm. of it. And the parental pressure, too, with Max just kind of haunting her child with her own mistake. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like that happens a lot. Like, oh, this happened to me. So now I'm going to make sure you don't do this. Like, I was pregnant very young. Um, You know, I made the mistake. And she also kind of has like a mixture of empty nest syndrome where she doesn't want her child to like flee the coop, you know? So she's trying to hang on to her. The bar scene with like that bad pickup line. <laughs> like, Kevin I feel like Nealon. that one. And also when like Jack tries to serve Paige when she goes to the bar mm. and then she literally like attacks him for trying to like, so what made you walk over here? He's like, I'm the bartender. Right. So right. I thought that that was just like another like a dig where I really feel like the scriptwriters had a lot of fun, but the casting gags and like how everything really was like a double entendre, which I just really appreciate because I think everything should be dimensionally like layered, whether or not it needs to be. Like I said, again, Mm -hmm. I'm like always doing the most. (laughs) An abusive parent. I feel like there was a little bit of that. Gold diggers. I feel Mm -hmm. like that's like another theme, which I really feel like they had a lot of fun with where, you know, no one's asking for like the gold digger side of the story, you know, Right. but it was really interesting, like how they chose to represent that. And they're literally just trying to make an honest living, Michelle. (laughs) 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 But You got to pay the bill somehow, right? (laughs) Right, exactly. But at the same time, like the way that they go about it is hilarious. And I feel like in any caperish or like espionage adjacent film, there's always some kind of like a cross or double cross scene. Mm -hmm. So I really like appreciated that 
more than half of the film was basically about like the long con on her own daughter. Right. So you're watching like a totally different film than you think you're watching. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because the whole thing is like a shift from like, you're, yeah, you're watching like a little digger and they're like finding a mark and they're conning him, but there's like a whole other side of it that they're actually doing that. I don't think you realize until you're like, Oh wait, this is like a subplot within a subplot within it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I guess like the biggest one, which is kind of like camp, but NARM, just the NARM factor all over this film. I don't know what the origination of NARM is, but it's kind of like when something is supposed to be like serious, but the way that they like execute it or deliver it, or it's overly like Mm. sappy or cheesy, it becomes like comical, like Monty Python style. So I feel like the actors are literally like going into it with like really play these people like believable characters, but it's hilarious the way it's coming Mm -hmm. across. I don't know. What about you? Yeah, no, those are really interesting themes for sure. I think you've had more of a relationship where you've been able to kind of pick more concepts from this movie. One of the themes that I took away was, (laughs) I'm laughing at myself, is that beautiful women can really kind of get away with anything. I mean, (laughs) I just was like, oh gosh, men are sometimes so stupid. Like all it takes is a sexy young woman in front of them. I I was just like, wow, this is really fun for me to watch women have the power and kind of manipulate and have the control over their their lives they're not these damsels in distress like you mentioned that they're more like the femme fatale yeah that was kind of a a nice switch I guess from what we usually see yeah and I really love just the fact that you know they're calculating and conniving and I just again like with casting like their last name is literally Connors it's just so (laughs) funny on like every level like I just think that the attention to detail like Mm. it's so meticulously like thought out and played out that I just think it's so funny yeah I didn't even notice that but yeah no that's a really really good call out and like, this might be a little bit of a deeper theme, but I don't really have like a fully formed thought behind this is that you mentioned Max, she's trying to raise Paige to not live her mistakes, right? So Paige kind of maybe hasn't had her own personal experiences with whatever you want to call true love. But you know, she meets Jack, and she's just immediately mean, right? Like she's like, Nope, you're not gonna penetrate. You're not gonna because this is what I've been told. This is a job. This is not I'm not here for love. But it's interesting how like we see Max as a character and how she's chosen to deal with heartbreak. It's not necessarily out for revenge, but it's just you just shut down and she has gamified manipulating men. And I I wrote down that they're like low-key sociopaths, which (laughs) like (laughs) I was watching it and not really thinking those words. But after kind of reflecting on it, you're like, oh, no, no, this is terrible behavior. I just thought it was kind of interesting, like they gave Max a bit of a backstory and explaining why she is the way she is and why she wants to protect Paige from having pain and heartbreak. But actually, I did want to call out that one line that Dean, who is Ray Liotta's character at towards the end, he says to Max, love is pain, life is pain, you can't protect anybody from it, it's always going to get you, but sometimes life could also be good, but you got to be open, you got to take chances, you got to let go. And I was like, preach, Ray Liotta. (laughs) I'm like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I was just like, yeah, it, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting to see how different people deal with heartbreak. That's such a good point because I didn't... I mean, it's funny because in some ways I feel like they're just showing you different people and how they're all like surviving in the world, you mm -hmm. know, and what their quote unquote profession will be. Or, I mean, this is probably a more cynical take, but maybe how we all like use and abuse others just to get to where we need to go or mm -hmm. like who we hurt along the way. I mean, that's not typically like rom-com territory, but kind of like maybe the people we accidentally hurt when we're trying to like just live our lives or like what whatever the version of our own best life is supposed to be mm -hmm. because you know even like Tinsy's character <laughs> he's literally like having like nine-year-old smoke in his like right. test groups you know what I mean like but he's literally just trying to push a product he even gives her like a lighter when you have something that's all-encompassing that you really care about or love like you were saying and then something happens people like adjust and kind of like not course correct but just take a different direction and I think we're all like mm -hmm. a byproduct of like the traumas we've endured, right? I guess right. in some way. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's like such a great, we're probably like thinking way more deeply than this was like <laughs> ever intended <laughs> to be. Um, but I just thought of one yes. at the time. I feel like there was always like a bad fake accent in rom-coms, but it's typically like an Asian one or so this one was just like particularly hilarious to me because a Sigourney Weaver's accent just, I don't know. It's just, you loved it. I, I, I mean, it's so absurd. Like the fact that anyone <laughs> would think that that would be like real, but you know what I mean? That's like typical rom-com trope to me where yes. there's like a character who just like has like a gnarly accent you know <laughs> interesting it probably is a trope I don't know if I've ever observed that fact but I mean rom-coms are a great vehicle for people to just be ridiculous so <laughs> yes to that I personally love the Russian accent I was like wow Sigourney Weaver's really, really going for it. And I loved that she sang the, the Beatles song, the USSR song. I, I, in that moment, I was like, oh no, what is she going to do? How is she going to like remedy this situation? How is she not going to get found out? I was invested at that time, but it really, it really made me laugh. That's so funny because that's my single favorite scene. I mean, oh, hands down, absolutely, where she's like Beck, <laughs> like singing Beck in the USSR. And like you said, how is she going to redeem herself? Because she goes right. up there and she's basically like pretend singing like every word she knows that's related <laughs> to a country. <laughs> I mean, it's like so horror bad. You're literally like, oh my gosh, it can't get any worse than this. But also yeah. like in real life, like would you be able to win a crowd over? Because this is mm. seemingly like a discerning crowd and then she kind of like drops in her pipes and I literally like to this day we still kind of sing that it's just <laughs> it's it's hilarious I mean I love her accent in it but I think in the rewatch I was like wait a minute right back right. then I was like oh my god Sigourney Weaver like she is so talented <laughs> she can just emulate different cultures like at the time I was really like convinced I guess and then now mm. I'm like wait a minute like yeah but yeah that's my favorite scene I don't know what your favorite scene is and I don't know if I'm jumping ahead but no no this is great my favorite scene so you mentioned the penis statue <laughs> I'm so juvenile like this is the thing that stayed with me I think I laughed the hardest was when Teensy passes out hits his head on the erect penis and like dies I was like oh my gosh no way it just took me by surprise I was like I can't what a way to die 
I love that scene too. I think my second favorite scene, like it's so random, but just that competition scene between Max and Paige when they're trying to determine who their next mark will be. Oh yeah. Like at the bar with Kevin Neal and they're like, well, whoever gets him to buy them a drink gets Mm -hmm. to pick like our next mark. And so Paige, like Jennifer Love Hewitt goes in there and she is just throwing every ridiculous (laughs) thing at him to just because she was like, boys, you can convince boys, but you can't like make men fall in love with you. Mm. You know, that's like a whole different level. And so she just goes in there and she's just like super like I'm available and ready. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then the funniest thing is that Paige is kind of doing it in a more mature, like kind of like hanging back way. Like, let's see what you got. Okay. Mm -hmm. But then she just coughs and that's like the perfect thing because he's like, oh my God, are you okay? Okay, can I buy you a drink? <laughs> and I'm like, wait, does that literally work? Because it's so funny to me. And then right after that, when they just immediately cut to like, we go with Timothy, then and then she's like, yep. stupid jerk. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was really funny. That was a great scene. <laughs> I just thought it was really great at showing the differences between the two of them. Because I think, you know, Max, she's more seasoned. She's been doing this a lot longer. She can probably play the long game, to your point, as you mentioned earlier, a lot better than Paige. But it's also just like, let's do the obvious, just cough. And yeah, like that's all it took. I mean, yeah, no, I'm just thinking about that scene. So good. So funny. It was great. I love how it's like, here's a rookie and here's like a seasoned veteran facing Mm -hmm. off. Because I love that kind of thing where like, I don't know, like, okay, that's fine. Play a player. But let me just show you how it's done. You know, (laughs) I can like literally cut this in two seconds, which I loved because she was just like, all right, let's stop playing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I also just, Sigourney Weaver, she, I hope this isn't reductive, but she looked amazing in this movie. You know, I know that- The the scene before that, right, is like, you know, mom, you're you're getting a little old or whatever. I think that's what Paige is kind of alluding to. But no, like Max has still got it. You know, Sigourney Weaver can really do whatever to get men's attention. But yeah, that was kind of just that theme that I brought up was just like, oh, beautiful women can really just get away with anything. They could be dicks to people. They can like con men for $300,000 and get like a Benz out of it. Just like, oh my gosh. For 17 hours of marriage. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think the penis, again, so juvenile, was was my favorite. I can't, like, not laugh when you bring that up. I don't know. I mean, Gene Hackman is so good in this in this role as Teensy. Like, I, I think the reason why this scene is also one of my favorites is that it was unexpected for me. I just didn't think he was going to die. And that was the way he died. I was like, oh, wow, that stood out. Yeah, you think, oh, she's going to get away with, like, conning another person and she's well right. on her way. And then you don't think about the fact that, like, well, what if the mark dies? And right. then, like, what do you do? And then they're trying that elaborate staging <laughs> where they're, like, oh just getting rid of the body in its entirety and then the whole like b-side where dean comes back in the picture i mean that entire time i felt like Mm -hmm. was when the movie really kind of caught like the height of its momentum because i don't know if you thought that it was like a slow build but i remember when i first watched it back in the day like i was like this is so great it's so like fast-paced and then Mm -hmm. the rewatch like for when i was going to do this with you i was like huh this isn't as fast as i thought it was and then i told my best friend and they were like that's really funny that you say that but nowadays like I mean cell phones you can get anything in an instant we don't have like patience anymore (laughs) right it's like let's get to the meat of the story yeah and I have to just mention like the part where they finally get him to his home and Mm -hmm. he like falls on top of her and she's like moaning as Dean comes in right right it's just like I literally cannot 
not laugh out loud like literally shooting tears (laughs) in like those scenes it's so absurd it's so absurd but I I do want to like recognize what you just said about the slow build because actually now that you say it it, I think it's entirely true this movie is actually two hours and three minutes long so long (laughs) it's actually quite long for a rom-com so knowing that and hearing what you just said about the slow build I was like you're right it took a while to kind of gain that momentum when Dean came back that's when I was just like oh okay (laughs) now we're getting to like more fun parts of the movie and it's, it's that part of like a con film because I just love like the espionage elements where you always assume someone's going to get caught, right? So it's literally like, wait, is this like a con film or is this like a rom-com? It's like a, it's like a rom right. like con, right? Because <laughs> you don't think about the fact that, so they've been getting away with what, like 13 weddings or something, marriages that she's had. And then you're like, so what happens if you go to a city and someone recognizes you? Right. As absurd as the film is, they're acknowledging like okay what are those like extenuating circumstances and factors that could make this more realistic like someone's gonna catch you you know what I mean Mm -hmm. someone's gonna come back from a previous one like or a mark's gonna like turn like something you know and I thought that that was really funny because they had even though no one's like asking them to we're just having fun but like that they also kind of like hit all of those facets I guess as well yeah and I mean this I guess, I mean, I don't know. I was going to say this couldn't be pulled off in 2020 because just social media. (laughs) Like, there's no way, like, Paige isn't snapping photos of her, like, sitting by the pool in Palm Beach, you know. Yeah. Does she have friends? I guess she has zero friends. It's just her and her mom. And then, like, what's her name on it? Yeah, exactly. But I do actually want to ask you a question. So you said at the top of this that when you saw this in, like, 2007, you really, really liked it. But I didn't ask you what you would have rated it then. So I have to ask you, you gave it a seven now after your proper rewatch, but Rosanna from 2007, (laughs) what would you have given it? I mean, I was a completely different person, I feel, back then. So at the time, I was like, 15, you know what I mean? This is so great. I love this film so much. And it has consistently been in, like, my top five, top ten, like, throughout and since, even though I haven't, like I said, gone back to, like, really watch it. And now I feel like I'm giving a more scientific, like, breakdown and a more technical eye because we're actually going to talk about it. And I'm like, oh, there are some problematic parts to this, you know? (laughs) where I'm like wait a minute so I definitely at the time would have rated it like I said so highly and Mm -hmm. I think that carried all the way up until I watched it again so I wonder like what my best friend's gonna think when they're like Mm. what you took it down to a seven like because (laughs) I mean what if I was like it's a 10 Michelle like I won't take anything else but a 10 like (laughs) I refuse to like listen to your critique or something but I was like wow there are parts of this that definitely don't age well and Mm. also like the believability factor now I think with so much accessibility like you said you know they wouldn't have been able to get away with not only shooting but just elements of the film anyway Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I mean I've talked about some movies in the past where you know they were quite formative for me at a young age but I think I still rate them quite high just because Yes, the older I've gotten, the more times I've watched it, it just makes zero sense. Like this movie and this story could not at all be in this real world. But you're just like, oh, but I just I feel happier when I watch this movie. It takes me back. Like I love the music, these actors. Like I don't know. Like nostalgia is a very big factor, I think, in how people rate their movies. Especially this genre. Like I was going to say 
it's very similar. Like I equate it to like pop songs that you listen to Mm. at your like formative years, you know, and like whenever you hear those songs, you're always going to smile. You're always going to, it's always going to make you happy. And that's for literally every generation, but they change. Mm. So I feel like that's how I feel about rom-coms. Like there's that like attachment to it that, especially if they make you laugh, even if it's Mm -hmm. inappropriate, like at the time. And I think that's why I still really love it. Like there will always be like a place in, you know, (laughs) in your heart, (laughs) my heart, like my broken heart somewhere for this heartbreaking film. But yeah, no, that's a really good analogy. I like that because yeah, it's, it's very understandable and digestible when you put it in those terms, because like you remember hearing a certain song at a certain point in your life, you're like, oh, I was this age going through this in my life whether it be a happy or sad memory, it's still a very strong memory and you still have attachments to it. Yeah. And and in terms of like rom-coms that haven't aged well, it's always a little bit heartbreaking when they don't hold up. You're like, oh, I loved this when I was 10, but it's so problematic now. Like, am I allowed to still really like this movie? So it becomes kind of a weird internal battle. Yeah. That's why talking about these movies years later after they've been released has been really fun and oddly therapeutic. Oh, totally. Like this is my therapy right now. I'll see you back after. (laughs) Thanks, Michelle. Of course. (laughs) Listening. Happy to help. Let's move on to WTF moments. But I do want to caveat that this movie, I know we will have to put a lot of disbelief aside, but do you have any like glaring WTF moments that you want to call out? Probably two. One, because you spoke on it earlier about kind of like that hotel con. And I mean, I've never worked in hospitality, but I feel like a hotel, like in terms of like timekeeping, Mm -hmm. that was something that I always thought like a hotel won't just let you stay indefinitely, whether or not you like injure yourself on their property. I feel like it's a settlement and we move on or we just like immediately like work something out. I felt like, meanwhile, Paige is like running around, presumably like in front of the front of house staff. And parading around in heels, like she's fine, right? Like running and chasing after like these cons that she's doing. So I feel like someone would have alerted or reported and then they would have been like, okay, we need you guys to move on. So the time part of it was really confusing and also just unrealistic to me. And the second one was probably where Max is drugging Jack. Mm. that was so cringe just because it's like illegal (laughs) but just the fact that someone would go so far I guess to manipulate you know an innocent victim but also like on behalf of trying to manipulate someone else into believing a certain way that they view the world like this is my perspective I'm going to maintain that so you're going to believe this too so that was just like a whole like what the f I'm really curious about what you thought when you were watching that particular scene Mm. yeah that was quite upsetting it just really I think that's Max's extremely low point I think it's fair to say that Paige is trying to suppress her feelings for Jack while fully realizing that she has strong feelings for him. So the fact that Max as Paige's mom would do something so despicable is a little absurd. I I was just like, wow, Max will stop at nothing to con these men. Yeah. And to keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. That was a serious WTF just personally. Mm -hmm. I thought, I definitely thought that the first time around, but then when you like watch it again, it's like, Ooh, what were your WTF moments? (laughs) I have a problem believing people falling in love so fast. So the whole storyline between Jack and Paige as Jane 
I was like, oh, they're falling in love so fast. Jack, like, what do we think Jack loves about Paige other than the fact that she's a beautiful woman? She's kind of quirky, you know, like she's like, oh, I'm an environmentalist. And Jack being fully like, you are not an environmentalist. Like, stop lying to me. I just had a hard time kind of believing that relationship. For sure. That's completely unrealistic. Like what you had like three or four meetups. Like I think of like, I don't want to say like a bachelor timeline, but it's like how many minutes have you had in total, right? With like this right. individual, like, and then like, if it's literally like 36 minutes total or something, it's like, wait. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, again, you have to kind of put your disbelief aside, but like, I, I wanted more meat of this love story between uh, Paige and Jack. If we're really thinking that Paige is in love with this guy. But you brought up really good ones. The hotel, like, yeah. That's why I was like, the timing of the story was a little confusing to me. I wish that was a little bit more specific, but that's probably intentional. And I wrote down, like, Teensy's body just falling from the hotel room would just be, like, mangled. Like, no way oh, right, could they, right, like, right. pick it him up. It would be in pieces. And, yeah. Yeah, like, smashed. Like, no. And, like, that secondary, like, the trunk slamming on top of his legs or whatever. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> like, like, more broken bones. You know what I mean? Right. Like, for sure. Like, I don't think yeah. he would be recognizable. And you can't just, like, throw him in a bed and be like, well, he died in his sleep. You know what I mean? <laughs> So much, so many WTFs, like with that storyline in and of itself. But I found myself not really taking as many notes calling out WTFs because I think it was just pure fun. I was like, oh my gosh, none of this is believable to begin with, but (laughs) here we are. I'm laughing. I'm enjoying it. So I'll take it. I'm glad you at least enjoyed it, especially if you you were forced to watch it. (laughs) No, not forced. I, I did enjoy it. It was really, really fun. I mean, yeah, if we were to be super nitpicky, I know this WTF list would be really long, but let's, we don't need to go down that, <laughs> that road for this particular movie, I think. Do you have thoughts about the ending? Are you happy with it? I think the espionage side of me, it like left me with that satisfying feeling that they're going to go after Barb to get <laughs> their money back. So that was just like a personal, like fulfilled part of me that really made me happy just because even though you know that like a film's going to end to me, like, I just want to think of like the characters living on and like living mm-hmm. and doing like other things in my own like crazed rationale of like consumption but i think that yes i i thought that was like so satisfying so you kind of like leave it being like okay well because you almost forget that she like actually squandered them out of millions when you're watching everything else happening to get money back even for Dean. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's so many like tangential parts. And I feel like because it's not linear, you're like trying to follow along that you almost like forget that she actually took all their money. So even if everyone's like happily together, they can have that and money too, which means that hopefully they'll have everything that they want and then they don't need to pursue other... Other cons. Yeah, I think... And honestly, Paige's character is so complicated because she doesn't have anything real in her life. So Mm. I think it's a little bit more believable that she fell in love with Jack because he's not like the, oh, men are pervs. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, and he's different and like you know, she, he's not responding like she's expecting him to. So that must make him like a real good soul or whatever. So but like the reverse is not believable to me for him, like falling in love with her as quickly, especially with the way she's treating him because they're not like Agreed. in elementary school. You know what I mean? Where like yeah. that person is the one that you like end up falling for. But 
I think you sort of, at the time, the initial watch, I was just like rooting for her success. Like for some weird reason, I identified with her. It just Hmm. wanted to like go out on her own at the time. I think it was just like a place in my life where I'm like, she's just trying to go out on her own. She just wants to like go and live her life and like explore. Hmm. And, you know, I don't know what that says about me. (laughs) She just wants to like kind of figure out who she is and like what she wants and not have any parental obligation or responsibility that has to be fulfilled there. And then in the rewatch, I'm like, she's a horrible person. (laughs) Like she's just a terrible human, but you're still kind of somehow rooting for her finding love because you know, ultimately like that's just what everybody wants. And if she can somehow find that, maybe she can not unlearn, but like cope with the trauma of her childhood and her mother (laughs) raising her to be a con artist. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I think it kind of wrapped everything up for me nicely, however unrealistically, into like a really big fat bow. (laughs) But what about you? (laughs) Um, I agree with everything you just said. And it's interesting that you have, you took away that page is complicated yeah, I think you're right. I don't think I thought that while watching this. I was just like, she's kind of just terrible. Um, but it makes sense because she had a really emotionally abusive mom. So of course she's complicated. She doesn't understand what a healthy, loving relationship looks like. Right. And so when Jack enters her life, she's like, oh, this guy actually like might like me. For me. For me, right. Like even if I'm terrible to him, he's still into me. So interesting point on page and I I think I agree with you on that I agree also that it's tied up in a really nice fat bow and the slight twist at the end I just love that they brought Anne Bancroft back as Barbara getting swindled for her money by Dean it was just I think a really good ending to that character story for Dean and Max but yeah it was it was really satisfying and I I feel like I'm surprised by it um, because I think I don't know what I expected the ending to be But that as the final scene was just the cherry on top. It really could have gone anywhere. You know, when you're watching it, you're literally like, where is this going? Like, what is happening? Like, are we going to end up in like a museum? Like, I really feel like (laughs) I had no idea. Like, are we going to be in a funeral home? Like, you know what I mean? You have no idea where it's going to go. Is this, are we going to go to like a cemetery now? And she's going to find like one of his friends. You know what I mean? It's literally (laughs) like, I think it's just very satisfying the way that they did it. And also just unexpected surprise. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Do you think, even though I mentioned earlier that I think Paige and Max are low-key sociopaths, (laughs) well, I guess you also just said that you related to Paige, but the question is, are they likable or relatable? I think they attempted to portray characters that you can understand and relate to because, like I said, no one's asking like a gold digger for their side of the story or someone who is like a con artist. Yes, we want to know the whys behind, but we don't want to know like the emotional aspects of like what you're feeling right in this moment about this particular thing. So I think that that breakdown is hilarious. I think they attempted to play really likable and I think that they pulled it off. I don't know about like the rewatch because like I said with Paige, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're like you said, low-key sociopath. It's not like they don't realize what's happening because Dean's like, do you have any idea how much therapy you people need? Like you're (laughs) literally so messed up. This is a new low, like even for you. I'm not a parent, but I think that Max does, you know, a percentage of justice for not wanting your child to depart and not wanting them to get hurt mostly. 
because they've been hurt on a level that they're clearly still not over right after all these years so you know her daughter's like 20 something right or potentially like late teens so I think she played that part of it and then I think with Paige again I think if you just have such a disruptive childhood where you're just being used as like a pawn to get whatever your mom wants I think you are going to be really messed up Mm -hmm. as an adult and you need like coping mechanisms. So like, I'm not surprised she smokes, you know what I mean? I'm not Mm -hmm. surprised she's like turned to magic or whatever. That was supposed to be like a whole sub story (laughs) that didn't like end up (laughs) like having legs for trivia because she like broke her finger during filming. Yeah. I saw that too. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like Jason Lee's character is really relatable. Mm -hmm. He's just trying to like run a business Tinsy's character is probably the most like, (laughs) I mean, but I thought it was funny that they made a parody of kind of what was happening at the time with like tobacco industry. Yeah, big tobacco, right? Yeah. And how they have like an agenda. I actually forgot to mention one of my absolute favorite characters. Oh, I guess we'll Mm -hmm. we'll get there later. So I'll just wait for that. And I mean, all the men like don't really know what's happening. I guess I can't really (laughs) relate to like a chop shop owner, but um, I I can relate to his like devastated side, you know? Mm, Yeah. I also took note that I was like, I don't identify with any of the men. They're just so silly. (laughs) I can't seem to take any of them seriously. But Jack is the most grounded, but also like has... Not zero, but has very, very little backstory. It's interesting. I think you have different perspectives of these characters than I do. I think like, because it's been like one watch for me, (laughs) haven't really like been with these characters for a really long time. I don't think that they're likable. I was just like, they're so deceiving. No, I don't think I could be friends with either one of them. I would be frightened by them. They're sociopaths. I'm not sure if I could be with these people. But I'm glad that you've painted Paige a little bit more in depth. And you're right. She's relatable in many ways. Like who hasn't had conflicts with their parents and who doesn't think that their parents are somewhat controlling at certain times in their lives. And that really shapes and informs in who we are and the decisions we make. So yeah, that, that definitely has a lot to play into the character of Paige. So you started to say who your favorite character was, <laughs> but let's get into it. Who is it? I mean, I love Dean just because of all of his one-liners. And also he probably has the most like of any, if any development out of all of the Mm -hmm. characters. So I think that just watching his arc, but Miss Madras, (laughs) she is hilarious. Like her scenes, which were really like short, she wasn't in like too much of it, but she makes the most of them. I love the whole like, I'm onto you because at some point you have to wonder is anyone else like seeing like who you really are? You know what I mean? Mm. Especially if there's some kind of like a con situation and how is it that no one saw like the red flags or whatever? So I just love Mm -hmm. that she is just like, spare me or like Bolshevik BS. (laughs) Like she's like, I is want, like I want you out of his life. Mm. And I see like exactly what you want. I know who you are. Like you're not getting away with it. So I don't know. I just like loved her, but I also just really loved Dean. And I never thought that I would be the person that would be like, oh my God, Ray Liotta's like hot in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Like I can't think of him as like attractive or I've never really like thought of Ray Liotta, but like in this film and even like Jason Lee, like he's cute in this, you know? And it's like so funny because like neither of them would be someone that would be my type at all. But Mm -hmm. who are your favorite characters? That's really funny. There's no backstory to this, but I actually saw Ray Liotta once. Oh my gosh. In like Columbus Circle. Columbus Circle. I was walking like Central Park South. 
he was walking with a woman and it was just, you know, when you pass by someone on the streets, it's just very quick, especially in New York, you're kind of walking with a purpose. So I was just like, I turned my head. I was like, oh my God, it's Ray Liotta. And then we just kept walking. But he had, <laughs> he didn't look like he does in this movie because he had like put on some weight and like his hair color was different. But yeah, this is like Ray Liotta looking really good in 2001. <laughs> I love when Dean is like towards the end of the movie, they're trying to con Jack and he gets on the fishing boat and he just starts shooting the fish with a gun. I was just like, that's a that's such a WTF moment. Uh, like, for it, real. Just, it made me laugh. I was like, wow, he's really like playing into this character. Also, why does he have a gun? I just, oh, yeah, WTF moment. I was just like, wow, he's threatening the woman he loves with a gun. Like, how is that going to really work in his favor? Oh, I thought it was really funny that that scene where he chases Max down um, when he first finds her because of like the car title yes. change. She thinks he's going to grab a gun and he pulls out a ring. Like I thought that was really funny. But then later when he's like at Tinsy's house, he legit always had a gun on him because yeah. he whips his gun out. Like So I'm like, it's really funny that they're like, oh my God. And she like kind of screeches like Sigourney Weaver's reactions to me. Like, and when Tinsy, like, sorry to sidebar, but when he's like smoking and coughing and just the way she like jolts back like in whiplash like it's so funny to me because it's so jarring physical comedy is great she is so good at both i mean both her and jennifer love hewitt the physical comedy is great in this i do want to call out jack i i know i i just literally said that he doesn't have that much character depth but this one line just made me laugh was the scene when Paige and him like roll down that hill after that car accident that Paige like meant for tinsy Paige like forcefully kisses Jack and Jack's like, are you mixing medications? I love that line. <laughs> that is such a good line because that's so real. Like it's so realistic. He's so perceptive. He's like, wait, what is happening? He's like, this girl is nutso, but I'm here for it. You know? So he's just like, like who told you I'm into that? Like he has such <laughs> great lines. Like, is that the shoe you were going to like stick up my ass? Like, is that, yes. you know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, he has not a lot of screen time and not a lot of backstory, but his delivery is very, very stellar. You mentioned earlier, but let's get into it a little bit more. Which character do you think has the most character development? I really think Dean, because I think there's a percentage for certain people like Max, you know, has like a moment where she realizes, you know, she's probably ruining her daughter's life. I don't know. I, I would still have to just say Dean, even though mm -hmm. his arc is just so crazy because you're literally like I think he's going crazy <laughs> like I think he's actually losing his mind now but it's all part of like the what you're willing to do for love or if you really fall for someone and you really just try to win them back I mean hopefully not to that degree <laughs> every time mm -hmm. but and then at the end and he's trying to lecture Max on like you can't protect her mm-hmm I just really feel like it was funny that he turned out to be the moral the voice of character. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. I actually didn't have an answer for this. So I'm just going to kind of hop onto your answer because everything you just said, I agree with you. <laughs> so I didn't think of Dean in the moment, but his story arc is the most interesting. And he's the one who kind of helps Max come to her own character development. Right. By just being like, you guys are crazy. You need therapy. Also, like, you can't shield your daughter from, like, life. This is life. Life is pain. Again, shout out to Dean and Ray Liotta. <laughs> um, do you think these characters stay together? Max and Dean, do they stay together? And then Paige and Jack. 
This is so funny because I was trying to think about this particular question because I'm like, I just don't know. I mean, it's like 50-50, obviously, like they could or they don't. I feel for the Max and Dean pairing, for some reason to me, that's more likely to be a relationship that hangs on, but only because they are completely aware of the other person's crazy and they've mm-hmm. like lived through it and they're like willing to accept that the person's like absolutely nuts. And if they get everything they want in the end, I think Max also has been, you know, on this using and abusing train of like man eating, I guess, like not man eater, but mm. like just going through men because she was hurt. But it's just because she might also be looking for love too, or someone to like value her mm. in a different way than just being like a trophy, right? So I think if she gets, you know, not that it's contingent on like she has to win that money back or get it back from Barb, but I really feel like with that pairing, it's a little bit more, I don't want to say realistic, but likely just because if you know the crazy or whatever and you can handle it, nothing's going to surprise you or shock you. I feel like it's a little bit more unwavering because you're not going to be rocked by anything. And nothing that she does, honestly, could be worse than anything that she's done while he's been sort of with her. But Mm -hmm. his only thing was just owning like a chop shop and I guess loving on like women and maybe being like a little Mm. bit of, you know, a manslaughter himself or whatever. So I think that for that pairing, that's how I feel. And then for the other pairing, it's possible if she gets a lot of therapy because she doesn't know what a healthy relationship looks like and Mm -hmm. he can help her get there but she's gonna have like her defense mechanisms where like she might launch things at him that are like inappropriate or like spiteful or whatever just because that's like the way she deals and so I think if she literally had a lot of therapy and because he appears to have a lot of patience I think it's possible Because I feel like on one hand, she's just kind of like this lonely, like she's just looking for someone who really like will understand her and will be like, okay with maybe her past. And with him, I mean, he wasn't really like looking for anything, but he's looking for something more than his like not sleepy life, but something more to like excite him. Like he's literally looking to space for like stimuli. (laughs) You know what I mean? So like maybe because she's so like out there, I think that that's enough to like intrigue him and keep him. But again, I don't know like how long, you know? Right. Yeah. That's a good point. So I agree with you on Max and Dean. I think they're more likely, again, I don't want to use the word realistic, but they're they're more likely to stay together because as you mentioned, they kind of, all the cards are on the table for the most part. This is what I've done in my past. Now you know. Can you be with me? And it seems like Dean's okay with it. So I I can see that. But Paige and Jack, I'm less likely to believe that they stay together because, I mean, poor Jack. Yes, Paige redeems herself by buying back that bar. I mean, I don't know. That's getting like the bad end of the deal or something, like the raw end. (laughs) I mean, like, wow, he doesn't even know this woman's real name. I, I just was like, oh, no, Jack, no, like walk away. I mean, poor Paige, I understand, in the sense that she hasn't known what a healthy, loving relationship looks like. But all I could think of in the moment, I was just like, oh, I empathize with Jack, actually. Because if I were duped like that, yeah, I don't know how it'd be easy to forgive. And like, as you mentioned, maybe with a lot of therapy and like communication and just like really talking things out, there is a possibility. But like, in my mind, the way the movie ends is just that they have zero foundation. To grow on. Absolutely. Right. So 
that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. I agree with you in terms of, so in the initial watch, I was like, oh, Dean, as soon as he finds out that Max has had like 13 weddings total, he's going to be out. That was like my initial when I watched it the first time around. And then I definitely felt for Jack. And at the time, and I still feel a little bit this way, if you were duped for a matter of like weeks or a month, maybe it's like, okay, I can get over that and I'll just Mm. ride out the rest of my life. You know what I mean? But if this was like a long con for like a couple of years, you might have like more attachment. So like you said, I don't think that they really have anything to make something out of unless, because there really is like no strings there that are like, like you even said that nothing was like pulling at you when you were watching, (laughs) you know? So I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, no, I can, I can see that too. I love it. I love this different perspective. Thank you, Rosanna. (laughs) I love it. Did the music mean anything to you in this movie? I know you're a musically inclined person. I think it was just hilarious the first time. And I think it kind of stood out more in the second watch where they were really just trying to emphasize like, this is a bad character. (laughs) So (laughs) like the music was really capery and, you know, I don't want to say like Pink Panthery, but it was just kind Mm. of hilarious on its own. And then whenever they start to cut to like a barb scene or someone's about to like run a con, here we go, you know, like bang for your buck scene. I feel like the music lead up to it, but otherwise I feel like it kind of melts away and you get so like absorbed in what's happening that it kind of dissolves. I didn't really notice much beyond those passages, I guess, of like soundtrack, but there wasn't ever a point where I was like, okay, this needs to go. But I think in the rewatch, it was definitely like, we get it. Like they're a cars. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we don't need like this tiptoey music. No, I love it. That's really funny. It's it's kind of kitschy in that sense, I guess. Like the very menacing, yeah. like, I don't know. Like how you described it, it kind of melts away. I did not notice any of the music. Maybe because maybe I was just so engrossed in the story itself. I wasn't really paying attention to the music, but if and whenever I do a, a proper rewatch, I will definitely pay more attention to it. It didn't stick out to me. You know, that's fine. Except for the performance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so my next question is, what are your thoughts if this movie is beloved or popular? And does this movie have longevity? I'll share what I think, but I, I'm really curious to hear what you think. As I mentioned, like it wasn't really on my radar as like a classic rom-com. I don't think I've heard anybody really talk about this movie, and I'm kind of surprised by it because it is a very entertaining and fun watch. As I mentioned earlier, this cast is stacked. Like, why don't we hear this movie talked about more often? Or maybe I'm just living under a rock. I don't know. It's never really played on TV, and a lot of the times, for me, rewatchability is because it's played on TV over and over again. I don't really have that kind of memory of this movie. But yeah, what do you think? I I mean, I agree with you. I don't think it's really out there because I know that when I like talk about it with my friend, like I just don't think we're, I mean, people don't know what we're referring to, I think, or (laughs) because, you know, it's like Clueless or films like that where you say certain things and everybody, it's like immediately identifiable. And in this one, Mm -hmm. if someone out there like in the wild says something, I'm going to recognize it. But I think when we're doing like our output of it, I don't think anyone is like, oh, Heartbreaker's cool. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So, but I mean, it was relatively successful. And so I think it's popular mostly for like the J Love H side of things. Like I think it has like its own cult version to like its own, whoever those people are. I'm I'm all Mm -hmm. get at me. (laughs) (laughs) because then we can talk about it. No, I'm just kidding. But I think it's so fun 
fun. And I think it is one of those things that you look at and you're like, oh, it's going to be like a mother-daughter duo, like, okay, con artists. I mean, I'll pass. Like, I think it's one of those things where you just think it's going to be, I don't want to say like shallow as a shot glass, you know, trying to sound deep, but there's nothing for someone there to kind of, I, I think that's why it gets like slept on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, no one's asking for a scientific breakdown that I'm giving anyways, but I think- <laughs> I'm asking that, like, for it. <laughs> well, there's like so much more to it that I think if people gave it a chance, I think they w- could have- have like a decent level of escape and fun I don't really know I guess I don't yeah. really <laughs> I mean it's lived on like in my like after watch you know right do you think this movie's underrated like are too many people sleeping on this movie I think I mean that's such a loaded question I mean I want to say yes just because I think that there's so much more depth to like the film than you would expect and there's so many layers and I think if mm. you're into like like I told you it speaks to the true crime like con side of me of like espionage I loved that stuff and I was little like I was a little kid that wanted to be a spy like I don't know mm. any little kid that had that aspiration <laughs> <laughs> you're a little kid, little kid, you know? So to me, I was like, this is just so exciting and intriguing and inventive. I think I literally can't remember what the question was again, because I literally have nothing intelligent to say about this film. <laughs> no, I think, I think in talking about this movie, I think I came at it with a very low bar. Um, I was just like, yeah, to your point, I was like, oh, Jennifer Love Hewitt in a rom-com where she and her mom are conning men. I was just like, I don't know. I, I I wasn't sold on it. But I think after you watch it, you realize, you know, we're all flawed, which is a continuous theme in just, I guess, life. I was going to say in rom-coms, but no, everyone is oh, flawed. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, I think that there is depth to it if you kind of watch this with a different perspective. I think it takes more than one watch to kind of get to those thoughts, if I could be honest with you. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it. I do think it's underrated. Having, talking to you about this now, yeah, it, it clearly means a lot to you and it, there's a lot of things that you've picked up from it. Let's move on to if you think this movie has aged well. You mentioned that you didn't think so. I mean, there are parts of it where I'm like, ooh, 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 like mm. that would have like died on an editing floor. Like when right. Tinsy's, you know, like when Miss Madras is getting arrested and then he kind of turns to the cop and he's like, something along the lines of, is it okay if you like slap her around a little or something? And he kind of yep. gives him money. I'm like, that is completely like not okay. Right. Um, and even when he's visiting like Olga in her hotel, because he just mm-hmm. like shows up and it, she's just like, oh, I wasn't expecting you. Um, that had like that creepy stalkerish element. And then just what he says at the door, I can't remember, but something along the lines of trying to get with her. And he's like, it's going down tonight. You know what I mean? Where he's mm. literally like, she like turns around and he's like in his underwear. Yes. And he's just like, almost like just let it happen like I don't know Mm. what words he uses but oh it's fine it's fine like don't worry about it and she's just trying to be like oh my religious reasons like are keeping me from he's like whatever like everybody's gonna be fine with it whatever he says there just it was very like rapey like Mm. an assault you know very aggressive yeah it wasn't even cringe I was like oh god this is like really not okay Mm. Yeah, I don't remember the exact lines, but I do remember that scene being like, okay, this is a little much. And, you know, she's trying to get him to marry, uh, you know, ask him to marry her. But even that is still a little, a little much. So the one scene that I thought that, well, not one scene, I guess Paige, you know, seducing Dean at the beginning. I was like, oh, workplace, these like sexual encounters definitely are frowned upon. And like, there's a lot of like processes in place at a workplace 
you know, and I'm pretty sure that they still happen in this day and age, just like on the low, but no, you, you cannot be Paige showing up to work, wearing what she's wearing or like, <laughs> or not wearing what she's wearing. Right. So like her dress, you could like see her, her underwear, everything, coming. <laughs> everything. like there's zero left to the imagination. So yeah, a lot of that Paige behavior, I think would not work. Like just being so aggressively sexual advancing, like she even, you know, dries off tea on Teensy's crotch and that's oh, how gosh. she gets the maid job. So it's like, again, beautiful woman can get away with most anything. So, <laughs> you know, one thing I always bring up is the diversity. It takes place in Palm Beach, which I don't actually know if it has a lot of diversity. There's more diversity than that, though. <laughs> right, right. So I would say this movie scores very low on the, the diversity scale for me. Yeah, I mean, I can't really think of, I don't know if Sarah Silverman's supposed to be part of that, because I'm like, because mm. that's a stretch, but just the hotel maid, I think. The housekeeping. Oh, yes. Yeah, you know, there was just that element. And I I think in this day and age, like, I guess it would be one of those things that would be different. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like so many people that are very, very wealthy <laughs> that are different ethnicities. And so I think there would be a little bit more of that incorporation now. Yeah. But it's not diverse at all, I don't think. Yeah, I think that's a, a common trend, unfortunately, in a lot of these mainstream films. Especially in that time period. Yeah, It is what it is, but I think we've gotten better, hopefully. So let's just keep that going, you know? Yeah, for sure. In terms of the plot, I feel like it's aged pretty well. I found myself being like, oh, I can still believe women conning men. I mean, it's a little far-fetched, don't get me wrong, but it's just like, I feel like this story could still hold up in 2020. What do you think? I mean, I definitely think just how interesting the whole like, so some women are after money, like that supersedes (laughs) everything else. So I thought that that was really interesting that they were like, and this is how they go about it. Like one, two, three, four, five, you know what I mean? Like a step by step, like almost instructional. It was very transactional. So I definitely think that that part is really, I mean, I definitely can see that happening and have um, Mm -hmm. in my lifetime, not personally, because that's not like how I feel. But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely think some things would have been changed for sure. Yeah. I feel like I could point those things out, but I definitely think that for the most part, yeah. I don't know if it's like a fine wine aged well. (laughs) (laughs) So I have some trivia for you. Sigourney Weaver, who's a native New Yorker, she didn't know how to drive during filming of this movie. So the driving scenes made her a little bit nervous. You mentioned this earlier that Jennifer Love Hewitt learned to do card tricks as part of like a character bit. But she broke her finger during filming, so she couldn't use those card tricks in the film. But the scene in which she broke her film was the flipper scene. Flopper scene? Oh, yeah. Flop dive one. Yeah. Flopper diver. (laughs) (laughs) That scene just, it still makes me laugh how Max just like straight up tripped her. And she's like, if I told you I was going to do it, it wouldn't have looked real. Like, And she's like, I fall fine. And then just like falls over. (laughs) (laughs) Right. This was the last on-screen film by Anne Bancroft before her death in 2005. In terms of casting, Alicia Silverstone, Jennifer Aniston, and Aaliyah were all considered to play Paige. I loved that. And Cher and Whitney Houston had been thought to play Max. Oh, I thought that was like Angelica Houston and like um, Alicia, but that's cool. I mean, maybe it is Angelica Houston. All of them. (laughs) That would have been pretty fun. But I mean, because I don't really have... Uh, a huge relationship with Jennifer Love Hewitt or Sigourney Weaver. I think they both did really well in terms of casting. Like, I think 
we've talked about, you know, their physical comedy. I think they've both, it was very believable and I really like them in this role. So if it was cast with like an Alicia Silverstone, I can kind of see it, but I'm also glad that it wasn't her. Do you have any like, I don't know, emotional thoughts on that? Um, well, I think it's funny that you mentioned casting because with Sigourney Weaver, I think it would have been a very different film if they had anybody subbed out. But I think it was like the directors or the producers didn't think she could play like sexy because she always mm. played like very dramatic roles and they weren't convinced that she could do like sexy on top of that or like in tandem with it. And so I thought that was hilarious because she looks amazing in the film like she literally looks like a barbie doll when she's like in the very first scene in the hotel like she literally looks like a fake doll almost i don't want to like say that but she just looks so great um so i thought that was really interesting because she kind of didn't really have to prove it because she's a really great actress but she's so good at comedy and yeah i thought the funniest thing was when she read the script she wanted to do the film because of that performance scene which is like Ah my favorite scene like she literally read that and was like okay I'm doing this film because like I get to do that I think it's such a funny and memorable scene because she really was like giving it her everything like Mm. she got to perform she got to be silly so I thought that that was really cool I also read at one point that Meg Ryan was like considered for one of the roles I mean this was a film that was like they said in development hell forever where like pre-production for years and years and they couldn't really solidify parts of it. And so that's why it took a really long time to be cast. And I know they had some other actor for Jason Lee's part, but I'm not familiar with him personally. Yeah. And he looked like a very different character where um, he was maybe like blue collar and more like a scoundrel looking, I guess. I don't know how to like describe it. So I know who you're talking about because... (laughs) It's Norman Reedus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. I'm not familiar with him. I think he's on The Walking Dead or was on The Walking Dead. So I think that's how a lot of us portray him. Like he's kind of got like long hair, like that covers half of his face. Kind of scruffier, you know? Yeah. Like Jason Lee is a little bit more wholesome. And I think it makes sense that it needed to be like more of a wholesome look for the character of Jack. This kind of trivia always makes me, it's always really fun. But to your point, I think this had so many different casting what-ifs because it was in such a long pre-production stage. So yeah, I mean, that just sounds like such a tough process to like put a movie together just by casting. I loved that all the cameos kind of came in too. I mean, they're very minor characters like Carrie Fisher. She has like Mm -hmm. one scene, but it's like so amazing, you know? (laughs) But the magician who actually taught Jennifer Love Hewitt, like all of her tricks, he was in the film. He was the auctioneer. His name's like Ah. Ricky Jay. So he's like the one who taught her. And then I guess they just ended up incorporating him because she wasn't able to do the stuff that they had kind of planned, um, which would have given it a really interesting, like... (laughs) I'm just laughing thinking about it. Like Paige, who's like this sexy woman and lures men by doing magic like what was the play there with the magic i, I don't like get kind it. of goofy you know what i mean yeah. i feel like it was probably best like left out yeah she says that it calms her down so i don't know um there are 20 deleted scenes in this movie which seems high uh i don't know how many are usually cut from movies but i tried to find some like footage on youtube There was like one scene, it seemed incredibly gratuitous, where Paige and Max are at the gym in the hotel and they're on a treadmill side by side 
Oh, yeah. Page. Have you seen this? Yes. Well, it's, okay. a lot of these are in the original trailer, which I looked up just before oh, we were okay. recording because I was like, oh, what does the original trailer like look like? But yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good call out. But yeah, Paige is literally wearing like a bra, which is very flattering on her, but like just unnecessary in terms of this scene. I think the, the point of the scene was that Max was like, uh, hotel management will see you on the treadmill. So, you know, lock it up, like get off. <laughs> and it's just this competitive nature between the two of them. And Paige ends up falling from the treadmill. It was silly, but I was just like, wow, 20 deleted scenes. So this already long movie could have been longer. Wow. That would have been something to sit through. Well, I think that's all I have for trivia, but I think we can also wrap it up. Do you have any last takes or last thoughts? I mean, just thank you for watching it. <laughs> so now, <laughs> now I can like just say these like one-liners to you and then someone else can understand um, yes. just how much I like love this film. But I mean, I don't know how often I'll be re-watching it in future. I think it's still like has like a beloved place in my heart. So I'm still going to like love it again. I don't know if I'm going to put it on by like intention, mm -hmm. but if it is like on TV or we happen to like see it on like playing somewhere, I might have it on in the background or whatever, but I'm just really happy that you were willing to watch it. <laughs> I'm really glad that you brought this movie to my attention, which is so a fun kind of little byproduct of doing this podcast is because, you know, there's obviously the classic rom-coms that the majority of people think about when you hear the word rom-com. But then there are a lot of other kind of under the radar movies that a lot of people haven't really watched. And maybe this is just me speaking out of turn. Maybe there are more people who have seen Heartbreakers than, than I think there have, but it was really fun. I laughed out loud a lot. I don't really have a lot of last takes. I think my one last take is that like, I get why Jennifer Love Hewitt was a moment for a lot of people in the <laughs> 90s. I was just like, she's incredibly sexy. She's really funny in this movie. Yeah, I was just like, I get why she had a moment in that time. And I mean, Sigourney Weaver like outlasts everything to me because I just love her personally. Yeah. I mean, she was so good in this movie too. <laughs> I guess I'll end with, I think that this movie surprised me more than I thought it would. And I'm really glad that I took the time to watch it. So thank you, Rosanna. Yay. My pleasure, really. <laughs> All of it was mine. <laughs> I feel like I just laughed my way through this entire thing. So I'm very sorry about that. <laughs> it just like evokes that emotion in me when I think about it. Yeah, it's, it's a powerful emotion that these movies have over us sometimes. But thank you so much for talking to me. Yay, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you to all tuning in to another episode of Romcom Weekly. You can follow us on Instagram at Romcom Weekly. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And please let us know what you would rate this movie on a scale from 1 to 10. And we'll chat with you again next week. Bye.